Now we're turning tonight in our Bibles to Acts chapter 25. And I'm going to read to, with you the first 12 verses of Acts 25. And then just a few verses from the latter part of chapter 26. Acts chapter 25. Commence reading at verse 1. Let's hear the word of God. The words will come up on the screen for all here online. We're reading, of course, from the authorized version. Now, when Festus was come into the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, lying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea. And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Well, he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of those things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. Now come with me to Acts chapter 36. And we want to read from verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done 
in a corner. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Acts chapter 25 and verses 9 through to 12. And I've entitled the theme tonight, The Folly and Failure of Governor Festus. It's interesting that the name Festus is mentioned 13 times in the scriptures. It's first mentioned in Acts chapter 24, verse 27. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And the last reference that we read is in Acts chapter 26 and verse 32. And it says this, Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. It's also interesting that the Holy Spirit records at least three or four court trials against the Apostle Paul. And you read about these cases in the latter part of the book of Acts, especially chapters 21 right through to chapter 28. Seven chapters devoted to Paul on trial. We don't read during these chapters of missionary activities or journeys. We don't read of a church being founded. We don't read of a great multitude of souls professing faith in Jesus Christ like we do in Acts 2. Why? Trial after trial. Spread over many years. And during some of these trials, the Apostle Paul gave us testimony. Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 26. Why? Well, I believe that they're there in the Bible to illustrate the power of a blameless Christian life. Someone has rightly said, a holy man of God is a powerful weapon in the hand of the Lord. And you see, the Apostle uh, Paul preached and witnessed to men, the men in the street. But he also preached and witnessed a good testimony before the magistrate at the bench. He also witnessed a good testimony before the majesty. Remember what we read there in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. It says this, Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Paul was to bear God's name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Well, let me tell you, Festus was one such man. Festus was the Roman governor who succeeded Governor Felix. Acts chapter 24, verse 27. Here's the first time we're introduced to him. The year was likely somewhere between A.D. 58 and A.D. 60. Nero is the Caesar at Rome. Now at this time, Flavius Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, writes about robbers in the countryside of Judea. Thieves operating without repression. They're stealing without impunity. There's a climate of fear abroad. There's a climate of a full steel rebellion brewing. Civil war could break out. And in the capital of Jerusalem, King Agrippa, he built a palace overlooking the temple so he could watch and observe the Jews and all that was going on there. The Jewish council took issue with this. They built a big wall. They blocked his view. The Jews were ordered to take the wall down. They refused. There was an appeal to Rome. And Festus, the governor, somehow was involved in that. 
Agrippa had the high priest arrested and held hostage for a time. There was much political unrest. And by the time Festus was appointed the governor of Judea, he was very anxious to appease the Jews. Three days after his appointment, he took the office of governorship. And he traveled to Jerusalem, met the Jewish authorities. He wanted to get uh, to grips with the matter at hand. So you picture him meeting the Jewish authorities at Jerusalem. What's the first item on the agenda? The first demand, the first query. It's not about the political unrest. It's, it's not about the robbers robbing at will. It's not about unsolved murders. It's not even about the wall. The first concern is a man called Paul. If you read Acts chapter 25, it says in verse 2, Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. Fester refuses. Eleven days later, he is back in Caesarea. And the moment he's back, he sends for Paul. Chapter 25, verse 6. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down unto Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. Do you get the picture? Here's another round of questioning that takes place. It's been two years since Paul's last trial. There's many complaints laid against him. All complaints have been falsely laid against the man of God. According to Acts 25 and verse 7, we, we, we read, And when he was come down, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Paul answered for himself. This is what he said in verse 8. Neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended anything at all. Festus then interrupted him, asked him, was he willing to go up to Jerusalem and, and to be judged for these things there by himself? Paul refused. He said, I stand in Caesar's judgment seat now, and I appeal to Caesar. And you can read about that in verse as is 10 and 11 of Acts 25. And notice what is said in verse 12. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go. Now that was troubling for Festus. And later, whenever King Agrippa and Queen Bernice came with great pomp and ceremony to Caesarea, after they were there many days, Festus informed King Agrippa of Paul. Agrippa, after hearing this, he said he would hear Paul himself. Acts 25 and verse 22. I will also hear the man myself tomorrow, said he. Thou shalt hear him. The trial was arranged. Paul testified before Agrippa. He preached the gospel. He told of the Lord Jesus Christ and his person and work, how that Christ suffered and died and the third day rose again from the dead and shows light unto the people. And at that moment, Festus interrupted him. Look with me there at verse um, uh, 24 of Acts chapter 26. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. In other words, you're a maniac. Paul answered, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. 
Now, what could we learn from this character called Festus, the Roman governor? I have entitled the message, The Failure and Folly of Governor Festus. I want you to think of a number of things. Think firstly of the challenge that he faced. Go back to chapter 25 and look with me at verses 1 and 2. Now, when Festus was come into the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him. Now, he's just new into office. He's in Caesarea. And three days, he goes up to Jerusalem to meet the Jews. And um, whenever he meets the Jews, they request him to send Paul to Jerusalem. And they enter into dialogue with Festus, who's the governor, who's acting as a legal judge. We're going to lie in wait in the way up to Jerusalem, and we will have him killed. No fair trial, no just trial. And immediately, with this proposition in front of him, Festus is under pressure to deal with the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul has been in prison for two full years. And immediately, Festus has to deal with Paul the man and deal with Paul's message. You see, the Jews hated Paul and all he stood for. The Jewish leadership wanted him dead. The uh, Jewish leaders were masters of skullduggery and, and blackmail. And here's the question facing Festus. Would he join with those who hate and despise the gospel? Or would he be willing to arouse the wrath of the Jewish leadership and take a stand for truth, justice, and righteousness? The Jews didn't really care, sadly, about their country. Think of it. There's anarchy in the land. Robberies taking place. There's unsolved murders. There's the problem with this wall that King Agrippa has built. There's Roman idols adorning different places in Jerusalem. And what's the main problem? What's the main threat? You see, to the Jews, it was Paul, the man and his message. If you were to mention Paul in Jerusalem, to them, he was the most hated man in the whole of the city. They hated him with a hatred. They hated him and his message. Why is Paul in prison? He's been in prison for two years. You'd think their hatred had abated because these are the same men and their accusation that came to Felix. Two years have passed. The hatred hasn't abated. Paul's in prison because of Christ. Paul's in prison because of preaching the gospel. Paul is innocent of all the false charges. None of them could be proved. But in the providence of the Lord, Governor Felix is brought under the sound of the word of God. He too sees and hears the word of God, the word of truth and light from the lips of the man of God. He, he is brought face to face with the message of the Lord. The man of God's before him. And what is Festus going to do? You see, I believe tonight this. This was Felix or Festus' day of opportunity. And I also believe that every man, woman, and young person comes under the scope of the gospel ministry at some time in their life, maybe as a child, maybe as a young person, maybe someday in their 20s or 30s, 40s, 50s, even up to 80s and 90s. You see, the Lord can use means. He could use a tract. You could be somewhere and someone could offer you a tract or a little booklet. Maybe it's a young person and all of a sudden for years 
They've been without the Lord and they just remember mother's prayer. Or maybe it's a, a verse of a hymn that comes to them, perhaps at a wedding or a funeral. Or maybe it's some particular sermon that they've heard and the word of God and the gospel just stops them in their tracks and speaks to them. You see, God eventually speaks to men and women and young people. And sadly, many of those men, women and young people don't realize that God is speaking to them. That God is coming to challenge them. That God is confronting them. It's important to realize that God is at work here. How was Festus, the Roman governor of Judea, going to hear the gospel? Well, God had it sovereignly arranged. Providentially, he had set a time and a day when Festus would be face to face with Paul the man and hear Paul's message from his lips. And when he heard Paul speak of Christ's suffering, Christ rising from the dead, Christ alive, he's been ushered into the very presence of the living God. Now the question for us was this, was Festus aware? I don't believe he was. And are you aware that God is at work through that tract, through that mother's prayer, through that hymn, through that sermon, to bring you to repentance, to bring you to himself? You see, at this trial, the Lord Jesus, I believe, was also present. I believe he's observing and, and watching and listening. He, he is working. Isn't it very sad tonight and troubling that Festus seemed ignorance of this reality? He, he seemed ignorance of this enormous challenge. He seemed unaware that he's been given an opportunity to repent and get right with God. How many times have you been given an opportunity to repent and get right with the Lord? Many times. And yet you haven't been aware that you've been ushered into the very presence of God. And God was at work and God is challenging and speaking. Festus was at a crossroads. Paul stands for the gospel. He stands for Christ. But am I going to be amongst those that's going to silence the man of God and his message? And I'm going to silence Christ in the gospel. And I'm going to hand Paul over. Because here's the proposition. And the proposition is this. You arrange for him to be sent to Jerusalem. You're going to judge him there. Not in Caesarea. And when he's en route, we'll do him to death. And we'll be finished with him can discover in this proposition how much the Jews hated Christ. As I've said, it's two years on from they last stood in Pilate's or, or in the governor's mansion and in the judgment hall. Are they not slaves to their own hatred? Is their own hatred not eating away at them? They're full of bitterness. Notice the people involved here, if you look at the text, it says, Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed them against Paul and the Sodom. It's not the working class. It's not the mob in Jerusalem. It's not a, a loose rabble. It's the elite of society. It's, it's the cream of the Jewish Sanhedrin. It's the socialites of the day. Those that are schooled in the law. Those that stand with pride for their religion. High society. 
is against the gospel and against Christ. And you know those in high society today hate the gospel. That's why they want to silence the gospel. If you think of the streets and cities of the United Kingdom and how many in this past decade have been arrested and dragged off to jail and brought before the courts of the land, what for? What was their crime? Giving out gospel tracts. Preaching the word of God in the open air. Being accused of hate speech. Displaying Bible texts. Taking the Bible into school and university and places of learning. Do you know, sadly, we should pray for our students at university because you see those places of learning in the higher echelons of society, they're anti-God places. And, and they've got an anti-Christian agenda. You even think of Professor Dawkins been on BBC promoting atheism. You see, we live in a society as well that's full of people, especially from high society, who hate the gospel. And it's not a new thing. And at the back of it is the devil. It's all part of his strategy. How many times have you heard a clear, plain message of the gospel in the media? Now, I'm not talking about YouTube, but the television, BBC, ITV, and Sky. You think of the pop culture, the films of the day. You think of the blasphemy, the mocking and the sneering, the scorn at, at true biblical religion. There's people involved. The devil's using them as tools. In the sun. Notice there's a passion involved. It says here, and besought him and desired favor against him. You've got to think of their speech. The word besought here, the, the, this word, and desired favor against him. In other words, they're begging Festus. They're willing to make a deal with him. If you do for this for us, we'll do something for you. You scratch our back and we'll scratch yours. You make a deal with us and we'll comply. Such was their deep-seated hatred. A hatred like no other hatred. And what do they hate? The man of God and his message. They hate Christ and the gospel. Now it's not nice to be hated, is it? It's not nice to be falsely accused. Think of it. Kept in prison. Totally innocent. Not guilty. A man who tried to do the right thing. A man with God's message and God's testimony. A man who's been educated and the Jews know that right well. And now his reputation is torn to shreds. Now he's ridiculed and reproached. Now he's mocked. Now he's rejected. And yet this man is faithful to Christ. Faithful to the blood in the book. And here's Festus and he's brought face to face with him. And he's faced with this proposition. A proposition to kill Paul. Make arrangements. Send him to Jerusalem. We'll do him to death. The people behind it, high society. Imagine the chief of the Jews. The high priest. Does the Bible not say their law thou shalt not kill? Have they forgot that scripture? They have a passion. They're not letting it go. The root of bitterness is strong. I want you to think secondly, not only of the challenge that he faced, but the conversion that he heard. See, Festus, some time later, sat in the courtroom. And heard Paul's testimony for himself. 
Paul gave his testimony three times. Acts 9, Acts 22, and now again in Acts 26. Uh, Queen Agrippa is present, so is Queen Bernice. And you can read that testimony for yourself. It's a full account. Acts 26, verses 2. Think of these words. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews. And it comes right down even to verse um, uh, 29, where Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, that is, Christians, except these bonds. You see, this man heard how Paul was converted in the Damascus Road. Paul was a persecutor of the church. And this persecutor became a preacher. And the very person that he denied was the very person he met in the Damascus Road. And he's changed by the power of the gospel. I have to say tonight, it's good to give a testimony. Paul says, what? I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day. See, every individual will give an answer for himself in regard to the things of God. And Festus had to ask himself, where do I stand in regard to Christ? Is he my Lord and Redeemer? What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ. See, Paul preached about a suffering Christ, a risen Christ, a living Christ. And in the midst of hearing this testimony about how Paul was converted and changed by the power of God in the gospel and preaching Christ, Festus is unhappy. See, I believe Festus was a proud, unworthy judge. Festus, that occasion, spurned the gospel. Spurn Christ. You know what he did? Imagine the judge interrupting the prisoner. It's as if he heard enough. And look at verse 24 of Acts 26. And what did he cry out? Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. And he just didn't whisper it. It says Festus said with a loud voice. The whole courtroom heard it. You see, he had previously told Agrippa. What's this about Paul. This man and his message. Well, it's all about superstition. It's all about one called Jesus who lived and died and whom Paul says rose again from the dead. Look at Acts chapter 25 and it says in verse 20. Verse 19. But had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus which was dead whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved on the, the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Here was the answer. Tomorrow, said he, that was Festus, thou shalt hear him. See, Paul, he tells King Agrippa, but when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to accept him. You see, Festus realized that the evidence against Paul was fabricated, that it was false charges, that the case against Paul was unproven, and that Paul, um, he didn't see this as an obstacle, but Paul seized it as an opportunity to be grasped. Because that day, as I told you, Festus heard the word of truth 
and the word of soberness. He should have had an open mind. He should have been able to judge impartially and fairly. Paul should have been set free. But he wasn't set free. Why not? Because the judge was unhappy. The judge was unworthy to try the case. And despite the testimony of Paul that he heard, how and the way he was converted, the Bible tells us he was willing to do the Jews a pleasure. Look at Acts chapter 20, um, 5 and verse 9. It says this. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, underline those words. You see, he was a crowd pleaser. He was no better than Felix. And how many today, because of willing to do a favor to someone else, scorn the gospel. Maybe it's to please the teacher or the university professor so they they scorn the gospel at school or scorn the gospel at university or to please the boss and they scorn the gospel in the workplace. And it doesn't matter the amount of evidence that's set before them. It doesn't matter many testimonies they hear. It doesn't uh, matter if they experience the power of a personal testimony. They're still filled with scorn. They're still filled with derision. See, there was one who met Paul who changed and transformed him. Paul trusted him. Paul leaned upon him as Lord and Savior. Paul was introduced to Christ. Paul became a new creature in Christ. You know, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But is the opposite not true? Cursed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. Cursed is the man that standeth in the way of the sinner. Cursed is he that sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Felix that day didn't realize there was no case to answer. Paul was not guilty. He should have overruled. The complaint against Paul could not be proved. It was a trifling nature. He had not offended the Jewish law, the temple, nor Caesar. Proper justice was not being dispensed. Festus is an unbeliever. He didn't believe in Jesus, doesn't believe in his person and work. He's judging something he didn't understand. Now put yourself in Festus' shoes. You have heard many testimonies. And yet, while you've heard the testimony, and while you've heard the word of God preached, have you still got a disregard for the things of God? Do you treat the matters of the gospel as of no importance, of, as trifling issues? One Jesus, no big deal. You have a lighthearted attitude to Christ. You see, that's what was going on in the life of Festus. He asked Paul, will you go to Jerusalem? Why did he want them to go to Jerusalem? To judge them there? No, that was a lie. It was to please the Jews. To show them a favor. And of course, the Jews then would have opportunity to to kill Paul. He was willing to let the Jews have their way. Festus was happy with the lie. This, as far as he was concerned, was a, a worldly matter. A matter of the flesh. Pleasing the Jews. So they could fulfill the plan to kill Jesus. Festus was happy to play along. Is that a picture of you? You dismiss the things of God as mere superstition. You have no true sense of justice. You're happy to please other people, despite what you've heard. One final thing. 
the conclusion that he uttered. Has he ever already told you, if you go back to Acts 26, verse 24, Festus is an unbeliever. He's heard that Christ suffered, bled and died in the tree. He denied the suffering of Christ. How many deny the suffering of Christ today in his penal substitutionary atoning work? They can have Christ an example, but not a Christ who is a once and for all sacrifice for sin. Christ the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He denied Christ suffered and died. He denied that Christ had risen from the dead. And of course the resurrection of Christ is a, is a vital necessary doctrine. And Festus, because he was an unbeliever, believed his own lie that he wanted Paul to go to Jerusalem to judge. Whenever he didn't, he wanted to please the Jews. Festus was a fool. What did he cry? Thou art mad. Much learning doth make thee mad. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit recorded his words? He used the word mad. It's spoken in scorn and derision. It was his attitude to Christ and the gospel. And it was all recorded. And you know when the books will be opened and Festus will be called, this incident will be brought to Festus. He sneered at the reality and power of a changed life. He made a wrong judgment call. See, Paul did use the word mad. If you go back to Acts 26 and verse 11, he says this, And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. See, he's saying I was mad prior to conversion. But I came to my senses. Festus, I'm not mad now. Festus, you're wrong. The opposite is true. I was mad prior to conversion, but now I'm in a right mind. I've come to Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. I've started for heaven. I've got right with God. And that was the wisest thing ever I did. Let me ask you, is that true of you? Are you behaving like a fool tonight? Knowing that every word, every thought, every attitude to Christ and the gospel will be fully recorded in the books and in the day of judgment will be brought against you. The words that you've spoke, the thoughts that you've had, the attitude that you displayed. See, here's his conclusion. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he was wrong. It was a wrong conclusion. Paul wasn't mad. Paul was the wisest man alive. Let me say this as I finish. There was a farmer um, on the other side of Lisburn, and uh, he worked hard. He had a good farm. He made a few pounds, which is maybe unusual for farmers. But this man wasn't saved. And even though he grew up in a godly home, godly father and mother, and godly brothers and sisters, he wasn't saved. He had no time for Christ or the gospel. But he came under conviction. And strangely, one Sabbath evening, he made his way from Lisburn and he came into the Martyr's Memorial. He, he sat at the back. He heard the late Dr. Ian R.K. Paisley preach the word of God and the gospel, and the power and anointing of the Spirit. And that man responded in the peal. And that man got saved. Now, that man was in his late 40s, early 50s. He was in health and strength. He, 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 he was um, planning to do things about the barn to, to prosper and further his farm on. And that was on a Sunday evening. 
And you see, by the next Sunday, he was dead. And he was in God's eternity. And he was buried with the full assurance of faith that he trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. And his neighbors couldn't believe that that man had trusted Christ but one Sabbath before. He was the wisest farmer in Lisburn at that time. Why? Because he died in Christ. And he died well. What conclusion could be uttered by you? Would it be you're a fool? Or would it be you're among the wise? Because the Bible says wise men seek Jesus. That applies to women. That applies to the young people. And I would say to you, be wise tonight. Don't be like Festus. A man with learning and ability. A man maybe at the top of his game, the governor of Judea. And yet this man says to Paul, when he preaches the gospel, the suffering Christ, the risen Christ, the living Christ, testifying, I met him and he changed me and transformed me. And he says, you're mad. Don't be like him. Don't be an unbeliever. Choose Christ and be wise. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.